Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Steve Lawrence, who is the founder and CEO of the One Pointed Mind Workshops. Steve, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Good to see you, Timmy. Yes, good to see you too. Love to have you on the show, and I'm excited to hear about your dreams and goals. And we like yeah, to jump it's a pleasure right in. to be here. Yes, sir. We like to jump right in. So if you could start with just telling us a little bit about yourself and some of the things that you like to do for fun, that'd be great. All right. Well, uh, winter's coming and I have yet to camp in the wintertime. I want to do some winter camp in it, but I want to do it solo and I'm kind of concerned. There's a lot of questions around that, but I like camping. So that, 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 that's always fun. I, I enjoy cycling. I like to cycle. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a nut about it in any way. Um, uh, but cycles getting some fitness there um well you'll you'll notice with the one point in my workshops there's a lot of love around meditation and the spiritual practice so i actually find that quite enjoyable um movies hanging with my wife watching movies listening to listening to good music you know that kind of stuff is always always a pleasure i love it i love it and tell us a little bit about your very diverse career because it's I would say it's unusually diverse for the short amount of time. If that yeah, well, so I, I guess, I suppose, yeah. So I worked, uh, by the time I was 20, 20, say 25, 26, I had, uh, I opened my own plumbing business, plumbing and heating, air conditioning in upstate New York. And prior to that, I worked for um, a, a company, wholesale company, FW Web Company, largest wholesaler in New England. That was just a job kind of thing that one thing led to another and I ended up learning so much about so many things and up learning how to design heating systems and whatnot. You know, I didn't go to university. Uh, if I did go to university, it was just for a semester or two here and there shifting shifting um, majors and it, it was pretty disenfranchised. I was never an academic kid. I, I, I utterly hated school um, and I was fi- finding myself going through these motions, but I learned early on, I'm not really one that likes to just go with the motions and I don't do it on purpose. It's just, I, I think it's a, a, a nature of, of how I think, uh, I, I might say in, in following my career, it's helped me understand that actually how I do operate in a certain sense. But I uh, went, did the plumbing and heating for a bit, met my wife and decided to be an international teacher. And then once I decided to be an international teacher, I went to school in upstate New York for, for education, social studies. And by, um, at 31, we moved to Kuwait, and then we went lived in Kuwait for in Saudi Arabia, Qatar. Last four years, we were in Shanghai, China, and we were international teachers. Uh, uh, we worked with very high end professionals, very very highly qualified professionals for for expatriate kids, kids much like actually, much, Tim, you mentioned you're 22. Um, you know, I mean, te- teaching for 12 years. I've had students that it just weaving up last year, you know, seniors um, moving on and, 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 and doing new things in, in the world that are just super incredible and super exciting. Uh, but 
working within the education system, the system itself, it just becomes daunting. Um, maybe in the tiredness of being an international teacher and the movement and whatnot. But anyway, um, I moved into focusing on clinical psychology. I fell in love when I started to teach psychology. I fell in love with psychology as a field. And gets for me, it was about the epistemology, getting to the roots and the truths of things. That got me on my spiritual journey, for sure. At my, you know, earlier in my, in my, in my, I'd say late twenties was really where that, where that really ramped up the spiritual journey. And then one thing led to another, partly that was the reason why I got into social studies education, because I, I appreciated to understand politics and current scenarios and situations and the plights that we all want to fight for and fight against. Um, you have to understand history. If you, if you don't understand the nuance of it, then then you're sunk. You're just you're just you're just a, a puppet for the new handler, as far as I'm concerned. You know, and that doesn't it's and it's on every political party, every side, every it left right up there. So that got me that got really got me interested in history, and then um, eventually into psychology. Now the clinical work, it's about helping people understand these things a little bit more deeply and how how to apply them with with people who have sincere trouble sincere trouble yeah yeah absolutely i love that before we jump into kind of your motivation behind the psychology thing i think you touched on it a bit but i want to elaborate on it can you tell us give us an example of how history would give us insight into the present right now like a, just a mm. specific example if one can come off the top. Well, you know, I'm getting sucked in a lot of uh, a lot of the discussions that are happening right now within the field of psychology is in treatments and even in academia itself. There's a lot of discussion around uh, the, 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 the diversity, equity and inclusion and opening the language up to be more effective in communicating ideas. And language is a very, very powerful, very powerful tool. It's something that we just just we dismiss it as we dismiss sight, in my opinion. When you lose it, then it's like, oh no. Or when it's hampered, or if it's not effective, there's you know you'll instantly rub your eye if you feel a little blurry thing get in the way when you're waking up in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we don't examine language enough. Um, but but in the but in the attempt to try to improve situations, quote unquote. They lead apparently, almost inevitably, to the group that's coming into power or those that want to make the change. They simply invoke the same pains upon other people. Gotcha. R relentlessly. And it's a very, it, I, 1984 is one of the last books that I taught to my grade 12, grade 10 English class. 1984, right? And there's a reason why that, why that book has stood the test of time on so many levels. The degree to which it's stood the test of time. There's criticisms that you know Orwell's world of 1984 didn't come into fruition in 2021, and some say, well, it's because he wrote the book that he was able to point these things out, and then as it became a cultural norm, then people could understand it. But nonetheless, we still deal with double think, we still deal with newspeak, and by understanding how societies get into those situations, why the French Revolution rose and failed to be worse actually when those who were the quote unquote liberators and those who had the moral high ground became those in power. I mean, the, the reign of terror was just unbelievable, unbelievable. 
I couldn't even imagine. You know, we see a little, a little bit what goes on in BLM here in the United States. I couldn't even imagine something like the French Revolution and people getting their heads cut off by guillotines in the crowd, throwing them into the pile, saying they are the next ones who deserve it. So lost, so lost from the hysteria of the nobility of the morality that it just eats the person. And then we end up doing these things over again. So getting into the into the world of, of history, you can study the French, the Russian, the Chinese, even the American, and look at what they tried to do and what they didn't accomplish. And on a psychological level, you can understand a bit more about what goes on within the individual psyche that allows somebody to fall into the traps of um, like double think and newspeak, or, you know, particularly double think in, in that situation, but even to, to succumb to things like newspeak, which, which Orwell pointed out, but, you know, confirmation biases in, in the group mindsets. The, the, the bystander effects of seeing people hurt and not even doing anything about it or the, the, being able to be so hypocritical in their own psyche. It just, it, it, it's, to me, it's endlessly fascinating. And then I had one of my students say it best in the beginning of the classes of psychology, we'd often ask, well, you know, what is the power of it? And one student raised his hand and he said, it helps me understand myself better. So when you understand where your own hypocrisies lie and your own double thinks and your own right uh it's it just that's where i ended up in the field of psych because it's it, it it was the only thing that helped me understand things conceptually but i would say the spirituality was actually the things that helped me understand truth mm. on a deeper level mm -hmm. i love that i love that and real quick run us through what double think is what newspeak is for those listeners who don't remember 1984 from english nice nice yeah so uh so double think is the ability to hold two truths that are in and of themselves contradictory to each other. However, they exist in the mind at the same time, both as truths. Yeah. Orwell used the example of four plus four equals five. And, and O'Brien throughout the book was trying to drill into his head, four plus four equals five. And he's like, it doesn't equal five. It's four to the point of torture. And then finally O'Brien breaks them and Orwell or the, 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 the protagonist uh, understands, Wilson understands, it's actually whatever I say it is. It's that what they say it is, is actually what makes it truth. Yeah. It's inherent value is irrelevant. It's what we consider real or right or just or unjust. It's our perception. So when you see an example of, of, of doublethink would be Okay, these are complicated issues, but nonetheless, when you break down the nuance of like the visuals of what we see and what we're clouded by through thinking, when you simply see the act, the act speaks for itself yep. in truth, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take it, uh, there's an example, uh, I, I wish I could cite the school. I, 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 should, I, sh I probably shouldn't give this example if I can't cite the school. However, there was, there was, uh, a, a, there was a scenario where a, a parent brought a child to school uh, uh, of African descent and they brought the child to school, this family, the family is from African descent, they make it clear. And within the school, um, there are six classes that this kindergarten child could go to. And if there's four is from people of European descent and the other two classes were of, for, for, for people who were not of European descent 
This is in the United States in 2021. Um, and the mother wanted to her child to be amongst many races of people. And the woman, the principal, the principal said, you can go into one of these two classes because these are classes for people of color. And the mother's like, uh, hang on a second. What do you mean? And she said, well, we're trying to build a community for the people of color. So we're putting them all together and we're going to put the white children over here because they have a community already. Yep. I mean, just to, to that's double think. Yeah, that's double think. And, and, and you want to understand the no, the noble idea, which she's which she's convinced herself is, is, is a good thing to do. But 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 nonetheless, it's like you're literally you're literally ripping the fabric of a society apart in the dreams of building. And you think you're actually doing the right thing. And it's not a I'm not hating on her. I'm just giving an example of where the best of intentions can get us into these into these juggernauts. If that's the right term. I don't think it's the right term. Right? Uh, I don't know, but it sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks for that explanation. And also that real time example. I think it just brought um, the reality of it to a lot of people's worlds. Because Right. So the question is, so, so at what point do, do those layers kick in? Like, what are those layers comprised of? What are the structures of those layers? So within the one point in mind workshops, which is the, 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 the program uh, which integrates uh, meditative psychology into education, which we've developed over a number of years, this, this, this program helps us understand what is going on inside the mind and break down the mind itself and the relationships that you have with the mind and with these practices, being able to pull yourself out of thinking to a point where you're able to acquire a more effective vantage point for the examination of the structures of thinking and what it's made of, I suppose. I love that. I love that. And so just curious, is your motivation in life, like the thing that gets you up and keeps you going to basically understand truth, conceptualize reality and like just keep digging into like what's going on in the mind and those things are, is there more to it? Yeah, there's more to it. I'd Tell say, us. yeah, give it to us. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, man, and as, as corny as it sounds, I think it's cosmic. You know, it doesn't feel like this is something that I have an immense amount of power over. It's just, it's something that's happening. Um, you're to you too, right? I mean, you ask like, yes, you have your experiences of why you feel you, you have, you, you have the story of what's pushing that forward. Um, but I think for me, if it's, it feels like it is, it feels like my interests are secondary. Yep. My, my interests are a byproduct. My, my ideas are a byproduct, quote unquote, my ideas. Um, the, 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 it's, it's, it's an evolutionary process. If I don't, if I want to try to keep my feet on the ground here, it's an evolutionary process of meeting a number of people over time. But I think getting into my dispositions of the personality uh, has helped me understand maybe why what i'm what i'm what, what i apparently seek on the outside world is some in some way a reflection of this maybe even the inner battle that i myself go through but um it's 
For here's an interesting thing, I think that at least to me, when I found out it was interesting, uh, Russell Brand and Eckhart Tolle, uh, spelled T O L L E, Eckhart Tolle, were having a really interesting conversation. Most start to be dismissive of those who don't know Russell Brand. He's a more popular cultural figure, perhaps in certain circles, but Russell Brand, B R A N D, Tolle, Eckhart Tolle, having oh, a really power interesting, of now, right? He that's was- right, power of now and a new earth. That's right. So um, they were having a talk not long ago, only a couple of months ago, and, and Tola was talking about this idea of aligning yourself with the purpose of the universe. And if it was one of those ones that I had to pause the podcast and drive in silence because I had to chew on that a bit because it struck me. And in, in the contemplation of it, I had come to the, at least for me, it was if I think about the purpose of the universe, the purpose of the universe is to exist harmoniously and in balance, right? The adages of America, uh, Americans, but um, of human beings get in the way and we, we d- disable the balance of nature and the balance of the, of, of the order of things within, right? Evolutionary extinctions, one, two, three, four, these great extinctions that had happened throughout history. And then there's nothing on the planet but cockroaches apparently. And then eventually there's human beings and skyscrapers like what the hell (laughs) right so that's so that's the purpose is to exist and to continue to produce and to develop in a when evolutionary and that's the purpose the the now that's nature within the universe you have the you have the galaxies and you have these planets that are that, that that span spaces of 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 these spaces are so incomprehensible I mean, we're talking about t- tw- tens of thousands of light years to get to the next solar system. Yeah. The solar system. That's a, and that's one of trillions in our galaxy. And there's one of trillion galaxies. It doesn't even, it doesn't even compute, you know, <laughs> but there's apparently an order to that. Mm-hmm. So the question is, if we're going to align our purpose with the purpose of the universe, if his purpose is to exist and to be harmonious, then that's my purpose. Ultimately, that's everybody's purpose. Yeah, is to exist and be harmonious. I love that. Period. Period. Now the question is then: Well, I can sit and be harmonious with a joint on my couch all day long, but I can't because I have to get up because there's something that's that that creates an imbalance if I'm not acting within. If I'm not acting in the outside world, I feel something within that is that's bubbling that I have to keep, I have, I have to do something and I do it to shut that up. <laughs> Actually, you know, I exercise because I'm sick of hearing myself, tell myself, you have to exercise, you have to exercise. Why aren't you exercising? Like, shut up. I'll jog fine. You know, <laughs> it's, it's the way it is. And it shuts it up and I'm, and I'm calmer as a result, you know? So then if I know that then I have, I must act in the world as part of that purpose, because a tree grows as part of its purpose, but it grows in a pace doesn't strain or stress. I love the, the, the Jesus quote, uh, contemplate the lilies of the field. They toil not, nor do they spin. And surely Solomon in all his glory was never arranged as one of these. Yeah. Yeah. So then I, 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 I we, uh, the, the idea came that maybe it's more about calling rather than purpose. 
So then to contemplate the calling that comes from within, that's a, that's a, that's just, what is the, what's the color of the fuel? It depends on the fun or what's the color of the fire. Maybe it depends upon the fuel you put in it. Yeah. So absolutely. I love that. <laughs> that's where it comes down to. Honestly, I said that, I think. Yeah. And so now uh, is your motivation to live in harmony with that calling because yes. of that purpose to exist as the universe does? Yeah, I think now my my aim is to understand that calling in, in as many nuanced ways as I can. And in, in, in knowing that the best I can, again, I'm just a, a dude as we all are. Um, if we're not dudes, we're, we're gals or whatever. <laughs> but uh, Gotta give me my <laughs> well, I'm trying to say like, I, I end up like, I, I try to understand the nuance of the calling. And then with that, I can sift out the crap that doesn't serve it because I can get, and you're Tim, Timmy, it looks like you're, you're in the same situation where you can get all these irons in the fire. The question is to what extent is, are these actually serving, you know, we're working with OPM, the one pointed mind workshops where we're developing this programming. It's a, it's a, it's a startup that's made of the, 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 the teacher education workshops that I've given for the past 12 years around meditative psychology and what does that, how does that impact neurological processing, cognitive processing, what are the social implications, but primarily when it comes down to learning for children, one pointed attention and focus is hands down the most important thing. Everything else is secondary. It's not even a conversation as far as I'm concerned. If you're not focusing and you can't pay attention, then we need to stop. Yeah do something else right so the question is obviously we want them to focus we can't say well he's not focused so what is he interested in oh he's interested in cars okay he's interested in cars well that's fine for a while but Ahmed needs to put down the car and learn how to add mm -hmm. and we okay we can use cars for that cool okay but now we can write about cars okay cool well we can't add cars and write about cars throughout this child's we need to bring Ahmed something that's outside of his interests yep. so that we can spark knowledge and intellect and understanding of the complexities of the world so that he can think critically that's essential you have to understand complexity to think critically right so in my understanding of I started to teach seventh grade students actually in the first day of school uh I, I didn't even intend to go in with meditative practices which I had been practicing in my life prior, but it appeared clear <laughs> that these kids coming into my classroom, we need to take a breath and we needed to slow down because shit's haywire, man. <laughs> you know, it's not okay. It's not prime for learning. And then with that, the, the, the workshops developed, that was a calling. It wasn't, yes, there was work obviously in that. And there wasn't exactly, no, it wasn't tiring or, or whatever, but that, idea appeared out of nowhere and the fuel behind it was something that i had to learn to navigate the as it would present my life honestly um and the track that i would take in in a number of ways but the, the interesting thing is that wasn't always involved in my life there were times when i had to do other work that wasn't in alignment with what i what might call the quote-unquote calling like sometimes it was simply to pay a bill I need to pay a bill, you know, and I don't want to work here. I, I would much rather go to another country. I've lived in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia for three years, man. Like it was beautiful. It's Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and it's cool for a week or so for vacation. And most places are cool, at least for a week, you know, and then you can go. And then you start living like, I, you know, you go to Kingston, Jamaica. And it's like, it's a different world. If you're driving through and you're going to those resorts, like, wow, this place is amazing to live. And then you look, it's like, did you notice that most of the places we've driven through are shanty towns? Yeah. You know, unfortunately for, and there's a number of reasons for that, which history kind of help us understand. Um, but um, you know, it's, it's trying to keep a light on what is the ultimate calling and the ultimate calling is to be of service to people. Absolutely. When you, when you boil it down and it's to help make the world a better place by starting with yourself, of course, we know that we know that the axioms and all that, but, um, and I don't mean to be dismissive of that, but we're, we're, we're talking about the, what, what is that driving, that driving force? And then, you know, if you can stay in touch with that and then, you know, the actions you take, the words you speak, the best you can are in service to that, the best you can, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. But that's professionally too, man. That's professionally. That's not even personally. That's not families and all those other things along the way. Cause those are also part of the calling, you know, yeah. and the purpose, the purpose, you know, um, I'm not a father. If I have, if I were a father, the answer would be completely different. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I would hope it would be, it wouldn't be so self-centered. It wouldn't be so egotistical driven yeah. upon on, on what quote unquote, my calling is, even though it's, it's, it's in service to, people the best I can it can be it's still if, if nothing else partly about me absolutely right yeah. yeah well tell us a little bit more about your vision for OPM we've heard a little mm -hmm. bit about what it is and where it came from tell us about where it's going well um I retired from teaching last year in the the 2021 in the in the spring of 2021 um I finished in Shanghai and then I came, I came back to upstate New York and where my wife and I were work, we were working on um, the next chapter and between working with the PhD and working with, with the one pointed mind, it's, 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 it's an interesting, it's an interesting process how they're both actually working together in the same direction. The, the, the vision is to help people but it's to help the way that it's currently constructed one pointed mind for education. It's to, it's to help teachers and students develop a sense of wellness and well-being. And, and like I had said in, in, earlier, the, the, the vision is to, to, to help, to, to help understand, actually, if I were to be bold, it's to revolutionize education. I'm looking for I, and many people are looking for a revolution in education. Um, many of those people are educators something needs to change it, it's it's not as if it's not working right i mean you're doing okay i am it wasn't perfect you know and depending on your demographic your demographic de depended upon a lot of where you where did you grow up timmy i grew up in round rock texas so wasn't wasn't the roughest spot but wasn't the nicest spot either Sure, sure. It, it, um, yeah, it, I'm sure it had plenty of areas for improvement. And anybody in that school, any any educator who can see things for what they are, will probably say, "Yeah, we need to change a lot." But there's so many mechanisms within education, the institution itself, that it's just a, the tails wagging the dog, and everyone knows things need to change. It's like, okay, we don't want to have standard-based assessments or or or, or, or test-based, not standard-based. Standard-based is a good idea. Um, but not to have like 
tests, teach to the test, quote unquote, right? Well, well, universities are requiring SATs. So what do you want us to do? Yep. Yeah, we're happy to change, but you guys are requiring a certain score. Yep. And that score means something. Now, luckily, we're in the we're in the midst of an evolution in education where many universities are no longer requiring the SAT. Dude, I never took the SATs. That's how disenfranchised from education I was. I didn't even I don't know if that's a common. It is actually it's quite a common thing. I'm, I'm, I'm sure more nowadays, but this is 96. And to not take even take the SATs means I have no interest in going to university whatsoever, yep. whatsoever. Right. And I was going to be a plumber. I was going to do whatever I was going to do. I don't know. I was a trade kid. I was, I worked with my hands. That's what it was. I wasn't smart. You know what I mean? I didn't have success in that. Like come to find out now I'm getting a PhD in clinical psychology at the age of 43, but in my third, my ma second master's and whatever, you know, I, I learned I wasn't stupid. I just wasn't, it was boring. It sucked, man. It was, you know what I mean? The same maybe with you or many, many, so many millions of them are, are in this situation, you know? But if we can evolutionize and revolutionize education, then I think that's the ultimate aim of the One Point in Mind. What we're doing now, it's a six-week program that's online, taking clients, you know, people and um, people signing up regularly. And they're just a six-week, six-module training program. Teachers can take it as a self-pace. They can, they can go through the six, the six modules and engage the activities and the practices and the literature and the scientific research that we have to help them understand what's going on. Um, I'm the guy you'd see, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the face in the, in the, in the module videos. Um, and those are up and running. Um, there, there, there's online or there's online programs that are self-driven or that are driven uh, with coaching. You can get coaching along the way, you know, week, week to week coaching, if you'd like. Giving workshops in, in schools is a really fun thing to do. Honestly, it's actually really cool to work with teachers and to, and to walk around the schools and look in their classrooms and say, what can we do to construct this as a one and make it a one-pointed environment? Um, I'm in conversations with a company now. I'm going to keep it on the down low. I'd love to be able to announce who it is, but I'm, I can't until it's finalized. But uh, we're taking the one-pointed mind workshops, concepts, around the neurological processes about attention and learning and understanding um, and emotional regulation, the structures of thinking in the mind, what goes on inside the mind? How can we understand the mind and, and thinking? What are, the, what are the mechanisms within thinking? And how can we categorize them and understand what they look like when they appear as words in the mind and the voice in the head? And how can we navigate those and which one is a short-sighted fear-based or anger-based yeah. thought and where could that be born from and how can we examine that? But really implementing meditation practices, meditative practices come in many, many forms. There's beautiful one-minute meditations that we present. There's just the idea of being one-pointed as often as possible is a very difficult thing for many people to be able to do, to be able to drive your car without music. Without looking at the phone, you're not going to miss anything, man. Yeah. You know, but okay. So we're reaching for the phone and we can't let it go. And we heard these conversations before, and I know it's nothing original, but what's the mechanism that's getting in the way of being able to do that? And if you can do that, what are the neurological changes that are going on? You can't do it largely because the brain itself isn't equipped to do it. Because we're raised now, and I, and, I, and I do fear, and many fear, the younger generations that are coming through, 
with this as a complete norm. Um, this isn't even the social implications of social media and how that constructs thinking and mind and emotions. And that's part of the conversation we have as well. That's module three, striking a balance, limiting technology and education and understanding the implications of technology. There's a huge push to technology right now. And um, my master's is in technology integration within education. Right. But it's like we need to put a pause on that, man. We need to take a, a step back and understand what is the impact of human development of technology? How is it changing the way the brain is working? So by by taking those concepts and those, those understandings, I'm working now to make it into a corporate. So OPM corporate where we would go in for the way that it's looking now, at least in this one group, it's going to be um, it's, it's a large manufacturing plant. And there's a lot of different types of people in there. So everyone's got a different culture. Everyone's got a different background. It's understanding your student and your audience. You speak to different people differently. What I, an anecdote I might give might hit the secretary, but it might not hit the, the guy that drives a Ford truck or, or vice versa. If I want to drop the F-bomb and be one of the guys, well, I'm going to, you know, there's so, but, so what we're trying to do is we're compiling this, um, this, this, three-part workshop, one hour each, that's going to look at the neurological processes of attention and thinking and awareness. And why does that matter to somebody who's creating a torpedo for the Navy? So we're in education, we're trying to develop wisdom, creativity, and emotional well-being within students. Wisdom, creativity, emotional well-being. That's the calling of a teacher. And if we're not doing those three things, then we're doing a disservice to the human being. So that's the purpose of education. The purpose of education is not to pass an SAT. It's to develop cult wisdom, creativity, and emotional wellness. Well, with another company, it's it's a little bit of a tougher sale to tell a, 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 for a manager to say, I'm bringing a professional development to develop your wisdom, your creativity, and your emotional well-being. Wisdom more is more like logic and reason. When you're solving a problem in a company setting and in, 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 in the world, you need to use logic, okay? Um, we need to, they need to be efficient. That's the efficiency within a corporation is the most important thing. Yes, creativity, but their code is efficiency. That's the language that they use. We talked about language earlier, right? You move the language and it's the same thing, but it's just now a different, and they're just having a laugh at the end of the day, you know, not hating coming to work and not taking it home, you know? And if you're, if you're, if you're in a bad place, you pull the car in, what are you going to do for 30 seconds for a minute? before you even open the door, the car's off. You're not going to open the door and go to the house yet. And the kids might say, Hey, daddy, why is mommy in the house and in the car still? Well, mommy's doing her little breath practice before she's going to come in because she had a shit day and she didn't want to bring it out on you, yep. you know, and, and, and really being able to, to understand that there's a lot of things that, that go on in our, in our world. So unconsciously, so habitually, so habitually. And we're just, we're our own worst enemies in so many cases. You know, and it's not enough, man, just to say, I want to change. It's like, what are you changing? How, you know, and what are the neurological processes behind it? Or is it, it's an important component. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. And I love how you're taking it into corporate and changing the language, catering it for the people that you're reaching. I think that's a really effective way to go about it. Well, awesome, man. If you could meet one or two people right now, or one or two types of people that would really help you take the next step towards revolutionizing education with OPM, but also taking it into corporate, who would they be and how would they do it? Mm. It's a good one, right? 
It is a good one. You know, um, the conversation that I have with my partner, Ileana, very often is. Hmm. It's a, man, that's a nuanced one, man, because you'd want to, yeah, you'd want it. You'd want someone in there. That's got a lot of experience with an education. And, and I, and I, and I, oh, I'm going to sound like a, I'm not going to sound very humble here. And I don't want to imply that like somebody coming in wouldn't provide insight that I wouldn't want. Like, of course, like, you, you know what I mean? But the first thing that I thought about actually was a teacher, not a robins or guru-ish sort oh you know what i mean like nothing nothing like that honest um the conversation i have with with iliana and many teachers as well is teachers run schools the administrators and the board don't run schools a school is what it is because of the work that the teachers do on a day-to-day -day basis the one who decided to come in 30 minutes early to do something for the class or to bring something in special there's a lot of autonomy in education. That's a beautiful thing about it. And it's probably the only reason I was a teacher as long as I was is because I had freedom um, to, to do what I wanted to do to a large extent. You got to work within frameworks, but I could, if I wanted to teach revolutions, I could teach any revolution probably that I wanted to. It's just what about revolutions are we talking about? Yep. You know, um, so, but when, you know, teaching in psychology, there were things that I had to teach. I had to teach certain things because there was an assessment and that's, that's part of the requirement, but how I do it is me. I can do it any way I want. And actually the more effective I do it, they're actually a good administrator would encourage the teacher to do that anyway. So the teachers run the school, you know, and all I thought about was just meeting a teacher that was eager, an eager teacher that was interested in, in, in applying these skills and really stepping forward uh because i don't want to say that i i don't need insights because they give the insights they would ask a question that's not clear and i as the teacher in that role would would then uh, as a good teacher i would modify the curriculum to to suit the 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 student itself right which in this case is technically a professional um I've gotten, we have gotten so much positive feedback from this program. Uh, and I say that with humility, utterly, it's, it's really interesting. And actually my, my partner, Ileana, she had mentioned to me the other day, uh, this, this one guy was telling me about how great, cause she had presented this in a workshop in, in Shanghai. And, uh, she said, a, 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 a guy that's not our friend came forward and said that he thinks this is some of the best professional development he's seen. And she said, I knew it was good, but to have somebody outside of the group or, or, you know what I mean? It's like, you get those affirmations from people who have come in to say, no, actually this is a, it's pretty badass actually at the end of the day. And it's like, nice, cool, man. That's a, that's a win, man. You know, cause it's legitimately good. And it's not just, I it's made and I made it. So therefore it's good. That's not where you want to sit as a creator of anything. It's like, it's not personal. It's like, what is the package and is it, is it effective and delivered in a way that's, that's, that's purposeful. Um, but I love that. So a teacher yeah. now would this teacher need a certain amount of experience. Could they be a first year teacher? Tell Good question. Um, well, no, because it would, it would depend upon the teacher. Um, it, 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 willingness, openness, openness is all that's required. An openness and interest. 
if you're open to information and knowledge, and if you have an interest in it, you'll acquire that information more effectively, more, more deliberately, more, uh, uh, more deeply. So I had, uh, we're, we're, we're having some marketing campaigns going out and we were doing, um, a friend of mine owns a, owns a company that's, that's helping us out. It's, it's, which is amazing, but we're talking about if I were to send this to two teachers and if I had an option, one teacher who's got a career in um, mindfulness education, quote unquote, it's got the certifications and the stickers and the labels and all that stuff on the wall. Or if I have someone who has heard of the word mindful, has heard of the word meditation um, and is interested, but doesn't really have a lot of experience, what would be the one that I would rather speak with? Yeah, the one who was just blatant and obvious about it. Actually, the one who doesn't know anything about it. Really? I want to teach them. You don't want them to ha have that willing, open, and interested? But they're willing, open. They have a willingness and they're open. They just don't have any experience. Mm, gotcha. Or the one who's got all the information, all the experience. They're on LinkedIn as the mindful teacher and blah, 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 blah. I got to send these, these emails. That I got I to target people. Do I want a novice or do I want an expert? Oh, it you're talking if about I'm not for clients for OPN. Right. I That's thought right. you were talking about to partner with <laughs> you to teach it. Ah, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was interesting. So because we, we were doing the search and we want to get algorithms out there and, and, and draw in. Well, if we're searching, we're, we're, we're searching mindful. Like these people are already on board. They're in. Right. Yes, it could be an easy sale. Maybe maybe it's a better chance of sale, but it's not necessarily. You know, well, sales will come. It's OK. You know, like, let's help people who and it's not as if the people who are mindful teachers don't need help either because interestingly there was a and i don't mean to digress i don't i don't believe i am uh and i think this makes this actually disproves my point actually which is something i came across with within this last week um or at least if nothing else it prevents the presumption that just because you're somebody who's quote-unquote mindful means that you're quote-unquote good okay yep. so there was a study that was done um John Hopkins, I'm, let me pull it up so that I can cite it as I should. Um, they did a study and they had found that uh, people that are quote unquote mindful at work are more, uh, are more prone to, uh, what, was the, what was the phrase that they had used? Surface acting, um, control, they're, they're, they're more, let me, let me read the, the, it says mindful employees are more likely to experience self-control depletion, self-control depletion as a result of quote unquote surface acting at work. And I actually fell into this some years ago when I was in Qatar, when I was teaching in Doha, we were teaching a Qatar Academy, Doha, high pressure school, a lot, a lot going on, a lot going on. And um, these kids were coming to universities in the United States and they're cuttery children. And it's, it's a lot of money and it's, a, it's, it's all good. It was what it was. But anyway, I was, at a day, I was having a day where I wasn't my best. And uh, I was that mindful teacher there. You know, I was running grade levels and teaching graduate courses to, to educators while teaching high school and, you know, all that kind of stuff in a satellite location there. So I was, I was pumping on all cylinders and there was a, a woman who I have a great degree of respect for professionally. Um, well, some degree professionally. <laughs> There's other who I respect more. Professionally. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? She was, but she didn't deserve it. 
at the end of the day, there's no reason for her. I came out of the staff room and I was late for the class. Maybe I was going to the bathroom and, or getting a photocopy and the photocopy or jammed or some shit. Every teacher knows the story. And meanwhile, there's kids in your classroom that are there, you know, waiting for you to start the class. And it's just, you've been going for three and a half. It's just so many pieces that are moving in your head. And she came out and she had a, a, a pile of things and she had said, Hey, Steve, can I have you take a look at something quick? And I said, I honestly, right now is not a good time. And I just turned and walk away. But I have a, I have this thing where it's just like, if I go, I go heavy. And it wasn't the most skillful way that I had, you know what I mean? It just, it, it, I wasn't my best. And um, I went back to her later and I apologized. I wasn't my best there. You know what I mean? Just, just forgive me. But the relationship was already broken. She was, I don't mean it's in a negative way, but it's simply, it, it, it is what it is. She's fragile. She was fragile. And I couldn't get the relationship back to where it was. It just, that's just, just how she took it, you know? So that's what it is. Um, but, but anyway, as what the study had shown is that the surface acting happens because we're ultra aware of the, what's going on inside the mind. You're aware of the emotions all the time that's you're mindful you're you learn to see thinking yep. right but one thing that i have tried to not do and and i and i don't do this because of the marketing i promise i don't try i try not to use the ideas of mindfulness quote unquote in the one point in mind workshops mindfulness is mindfulness that's fine and we'll talk about it but it's not the end all be all I, I chose one pointed attention in meditative psychology. First, I had a hard time using the word um, meditation when I was teaching in the Middle East because of the Muslim culture. And they were resistant to the ideas of meditation because they're in a different location. Geographically, they're near India. They don't want Buddhism and Hinduism to be negatively impacting the beauty of their culture. I'm trying to say that as politely as possible, right? So when I would use, I use the word one pointed rather than uh, meditation within the classroom. And then what that did was it allowed the idea of one pointed focus and attention, which is not an original term. This comes from many, many people. I heard it from Eknath Iswaran, um, a prolific writer of spirituality. He's passed now. Um, but, um, but the ideas of mindfulness don't get down to it deeply enough that's why i was always been leery of stopping there so it was a journal of applied psychology had done this had published this study and they had found that people that are quote unquote mindful they tire from surface acting of being a certain thing it's egoically draining it's exhausting to have to be something and not react because you're mindful not not be in turmoil or stress because, well, maybe he's not so mindful if he's stressed then, you know. So you, what ends up happening is you become an egoic spiritualist. And the e egoic spiritualism is no different than the egoic Republican or, or Democrat or the, the, the egoic religious individual, yep. you know, and it becomes part of your identity and this whole aura of about what does it mean to be spiritual, quote unquote, and and I went through it, man. I struggled through that. I think many people do struggle through it that are on this particular path toward, um, if I may say, waking up, awakening, uh, enlightenment, like what, whoever's on that journey, 
you it's a, it's a normal part of that process working through understanding what the ego is and the structures of the ego um and and the in the way that it plays in the mind but mindfulness isn't enough it's something deeper so with meditative practice and meditative psychology we go down to the root of being the root of seeing the root of hearing the base of existence that doesn't exist in the head it's another it's another realm of existence which takes which takes experience to tap into. And then through the experience of having that experience, then the years, and from my experience, the years of practice of working through the structures of thinking, the habitual, cultural, inherited mess. You know, we, we, we say we have depression, but it's not our depression, it's our parents' depression that we got biologically, culturally, you know, the subtleties of words and the subtleties of perception, a way of thinking. It's so much of what we do is not even us, you know, and that's a whole nother conversation. That's a, that's a rabbit hole. Man. Whole nother podcast. But, whole nother podcast. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. But, but that's it, man. But, but truthfully, that's where it goes at the end of the day. That's the direction that we had to understand it. And, and it's the only thing, otherwise you're surface acting and it's, it's just not enough. It only lasts for so long. You break. I feel that. Well, I have one last question for you. It requires a bit mm. of pretext. You ready? Okay. You know how there are some people on the planet that live in that kind of fixed mindset, not willing to accept change, not willing to accept help. And then sometimes they die like that. Mm -hmm. Very often they die like that. Very often. Mm -hmm. And then there are some people who have that like fixed mindset, not willing to accept change, not willing to accept help that switch over to kind of that growth mindset, willing to accept change, willing to accept help in their life. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that transition mm. the first word that came to mind was humility love it i think i think yeah. talk to us about it well um it's the understanding that you don't know everything man but it's not just a conceptual idea you know, if you ask somebody, do you know everything, everything, obviously not, you know, but well, you certainly don't act like you don't know everything. However, there's also the issues of insecurity that exists within people, which very often is the fuel behind why they will be resistant to change. It's another rabbit hole conversation, but if we're looking at the ideas of first, if I can be humble and knowing that I don't know everything and I can sit in that humility so that if someone's speaking, I'm listening as if, as Jordan Peterson says, I'm listening as if the person speaking has something that I might want to learn. They have knowledge that I might acquire that could help me understand something more deeply because I don't know the depths of it. That humility comes from a knowing, man, if you, I don't know if I just, the vision that just came to me was surfing. And if you've ever tried surfing, when you're in a wave and you go down, that's humility. You have no power whatsoever. None, yeah. none. And it's, it's a really remarkable feeling to be in that space. Um, what we do to try and not feel so vulnerable incessantly is we develop a rigid egoic mindset which grounds itself in a quote unquote knowing, because if I know, therefore I have a power that I don't have if I don't know. I have a vulnerability if I don't know, but if I know, 
even though you don't know, but you'll tell yourself that you know and be closed to other contrary knowledge and information, which we touched on briefly when we talked about, you know, biases and confirmation biases and, and how we see the world. Um, it's, it has to, it, man, I mean, wh what else would it be other than an individual thinking that they knew everything that they needed to know? But even if they are humble, and even if they know deep down, they don't know everything, will still be resistant to new knowledge and new information that's being presented to us because it destroys the structures of the identity that has established our reality. So if my reality is structured in a certain way of thinking, in a certain form of right and wrong. And I see this with the most intelligent people that I know, honestly, and I question intelligence. I question intelligence because I had a conversation with, I think it's, say this, it's safe to say this because this individual wouldn't know anyway, but I was having a conversation with a professor of my university, very intelligent, super intelligent, but so biased. And when I write a paper deliberately to outline the dangers of bias within clinical practice, it goes right over the head because I'm writing it for them. Yeah. And they, 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 what they do is they point to me and we have conversations about where instances of bias appear in my paper and maybe, but the actual deliberate notion is to examine where bias impacts our perceptions of the world, you know, and they, 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 they simply, they, they don't see it. And it's like, if I recorded it and hit play, dude, you're talking about Republicans. That has no place in this conversation whatsoever. He's professing how Republicans are holding people of color down in a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. and, and with all due respect, th that's a biased perspective. Yeah. And it's face. In its face, it simply is what it is. To not have the, the ability to see that it's power, maybe within political structures and individuals with on the ground that are that are up, that that are creating a, a, a climate of inequality or struggle within society. White, black, purple it doesn't. You, you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. donkey, elephant, giraffe, like. What are we talking about here? How, you, you know what I'm saying? So that's where I was like, get into the question of actual intelligence itself. And I don't know the answer to the question. It's a contemplation. The degree to which the ability to be wide breath is actually a, a sign of intelligence itself. Or is it just learning that you don't have to have an IQ therefore, which isn't the best test of, of intelligence anyway, but hypothetically speaking, Thank you, for you, saying don't, that. <laughs> you don't need a 131 to, to be somebody that's open-minded. It's actually a quality of thinking, not a quantity of thinking. It's a quality. Eh? So I think the idea of, of knowing that first of all, I, I, I don't know everything and I'm therefore inclined to want to learn more you know, if I'm being tossed by a by an ocean wave, I'm inclined to reach for a hand because I'm spinning out of control and I have no power over the situation. Right. Um, but if 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 that openness of being able to shift and change is predicated on the idea and the notion that you can change without dying, you can change and expand your way of thinking and reason and logic without being rooted in your entire existence how do I say this? 
your, your, your existence isn't rooted in this idea that what I think is the absolute truth. And I have to cling to this thinking so that it can be maintained as the absolute truth, because if it isn't the absolute truth, I die as that dies. When you end up with double think, that's when you know that you're dealing with somebody who's clinging to a notion because they believe if they admit that 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 notion was that they used to believe was actually incorrect, combined with pressures of family and pressures of society to have to think a certain way. If that's what the cultural narrative is now, then you have to think this way. And if you don't, then, you know, you're canceled or whatever the hell's going on. Um, you have to be able to swim in that in, in that world. And some people um, find that more difficult and some people find that more easy. It's a, it's a, it's a deep one, man. It's, it's within the structure of the thinking, but suffering helps also, to be honest with you. Yep. Yep. Every time I ask, <laughs> Life sucks question, and... it comes down to suffering and rock bottom. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. 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 But, um, but you awesome. have to explore, you have to explore where you're, where you're thinking and your actions have brought about that suffering and that those actions are predicated on a, on a, on a structure of thinking that's faulty. Mm. That's a tough one. That's a yeah. tough one. It's easy when you talk about addictions or things like that. Like I can see that, you know what I mean? But if I'm not successful in my relationships or if I, if I'm nihilistic or if I see the world as just this evil, awful place, that's, 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 that's your lens, bro. Gotcha. gotcha. You know? Awesome. Well, Steve, is there anything else you want to talk about before we sign off? Uh, no, man. No, I wish you the best. Good luck with everything. And nice. I hope to stay in touch with you. That'd be great to stay in touch with you. We definitely will. We definitely will. Nice, man. Nice. Awesome. Steve, thank you for coming on the show. If you guys are listening to this and you loved what Steve had to say, you're interested in OPM, make sure to reach out to him, contact him, and get involved with it at theonepointedmind.net. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Instagram, you know, one pointed mind, you know, the whole, you know, go there and you can, you can get it around. There we go. And all that will be in the show notes. As we always ask, send this episode to one to two people, you know, need to hear the message. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Peace, brother. Thank you. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.